All right, Father Jonathan, we are in Lent, but, but it seems like we are in a bit of a strange time. A Lent within a, a Lent, if you a will. A Lent within a Lent. <laughs> I, I like that, yeah. <laughs> it really seems that way, doesn't it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what do you mean by that? In case well, I think, the uh, listeners are unaware <laughs> yeah, of what's going if you, on. If you are unaware, the world is currently under quarantine because of coronavirus. Or if you're listening to this years later, which I hope people will do. Continue to do. Luckily, yeah. the lectionary cycle is three years. So maybe three years from now, this homily <laughs> will be now. recycled. Um, yeah, since we, The world is under quarantine. Yeah. Right. Since coronavirus out- outbreak here in Madrid, we suspended all public masses. Actually, everybody's on lockdown anyway, so you can't even leave your houses. So wow. yesterday, as we're That's recording wild. this, yeah, yesterday as we're recording this was the second Sunday of Lent, and mm-hmm. there were no masses in Spain. Yeah, well, it's the same in lots of places in the U.S., not everywhere. Oh, yeah. Colorado was called off, mass was called off on f- last Friday. Okay. And so I spent the weekend, I didn't get to preach, which is the first time in a while, um, but I spent the weekend producing a video mass for the parish. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. It was it was good. I like it okay. Anyway, yeah. but that's not what this is about. I think um, I think it'll be good for you to like you you have the the added advantage of actually being in a parish with a congregation. So I think you recording yeah. your homilies will be cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like in my case, I could do that, but I don't really have a congregation. Like I Well, build one online. I'm sure people yeah, listen to this. Yeah. Got like tens should. of listeners. I should do that. Um so anyway, so for the foreseeable future, there won't be any mass here in Spain, yeah. presumably through Easter. I don't think we're gonna have some dioceses in the US have already said that they're going to have that they're not gonna have public um uh vigil triduum services. Yeah. Wow. No, I mean I think it's I mean my my opinion is not official or anything meaningful, but I think it's a good move. I mean I think that Yeah. Yeah. Um, we I mean it is only a couple of weeks away. Like, let's be right. real. Right, right. So anyway, so you and I can continue to talk about this, though it's unlikely that we'll have anything to say about our experience <laughs> of preaching, but sure. yeah, I look forward to you recording and posting and I'll yeah. I'll try and do something too. Um but anyway, yeah, so I did go to Mass, of course, uh, in the community, even though there was Masses suspended yeah. across the country. Um, we had Mass in the house, and it's actually been kind of nice to be quarantined together with my you know, brothers here in the house, and we had a big community Mass, um, prayed for the church in Spain, prayed for the church around the world, prayed for the sick. Um, yeah. yeah, and that's been big hum- for me. I've been, I've been celebrating Mass um, for the intentions of those, not just those that are sick, but those that can't. Go to the sacraments that can't, that have to kind of go on it on their own. Yeah, yeah. Which is hard. We're not really trained for that. Yeah, totally. Um, so anyway, so there, it was the woman at the well. Uh, the homilist didn't uh, really move me with much uh, <laughs> about it, but that's okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, anyway. So maybe continuing on with Lent, we have fourth Sunday of Lent coming up. Fourth Sunday, yeah, it's the man born blind. Um, I got to tell you, though, I mean, so we just going back to that whole thing about Lent within Lent, it is kind of hard for me to feel like we're still in Lent. Like, Yeah, oh, yeah, things have changed, absolutely. Yeah. And, I mean, to that point, I can't help but see the coronavirus and the response of people um, in all of our readings. You know, For this like, upcoming Sunday? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just... Uh, 
I mean, some, some of it may be somewhat of a stretch. Okay. But I mean, yeah, it's on our minds and it's going to come up, I think. Right. Right. In, in, in our readings, uh, specifically with, um, uh, with the call of David, you know, everybody assumes that it's going to be a certain person, a certain type of person, and God will somehow work within those structures that we've put up. Uh, and God doesn't do that. He says, no, I've rejected him. And man does not see as God sees. Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah. But the Lord looks into the heart. And so what I'm seeing with all of this kind of craziness going on with hoarding toilet paper and et cetera, it's like, what are we really seeing here? I mean, yeah, we've got to be vigilant. We've got to take care of ourselves. We've got to do what we need to do to stay healthy and to stay safe. But what are we actually seeing here? And I don't know. I don't have an answer to that. <laughs> oh, are you asking me? Or <laughs> well, perhaps. Um, Do you have an, an idea, a thought on that? So you mean like, so we we are behaving in a certain way, yet are you focusing on how like God works in, in ways that are different from our ways? I'm wondering how God is at work. And I'm now I know how God is at work in times like this. Hmm. But I'm wondering how we see God at work in times like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, you know, that's you you imply a little bit there of how you might have an angle for a homily, which is sight. Is how do we Yeah, exactly. You know, how do we see God at work in the midst of a thing when we might expect something and God might mm-hmm. be working something else, you know. So like um you can see that God is working in in the midst of a crisis for sure. We can find ways of seeing God through things. Um yeah, and that's important because in unexpected ways, God tends to work. And that first reading definitely hits that, you know, that yeah. God chose David, which was completely unexpected, mm-hmm. you know. And our Lent has been completely, you know, turned upside down because yeah, of Yeah, exactly, and so, exactly. And so how do we see, yeah, how do we see God in this upside down, <laughs> crazy world, uh, quarantined world that we're living in? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, good question. Good question. Um, and I think uh, St. Paul speaks to this in a sense when he says, and I, I was really struck by this with this reading, you were once darkness. Not that you were once in darkness. <clears throat> oh, look at that. But you yeah. were once darkness. Oh, but I now you that. are light. <clears throat> so yeah. live as children of light. Hmm. Uh, and man, I tell you what, I see a lot of darkness around. Hmm. Um, just the way that people are treating each other. Mm-hmm. You know, you see, there's videos that come up all the time. I try not to watch them, just of people fighting in supermarkets, of people yelling and screaming at each other. Yeah. Like, this yeah. is darkness, and we are the darkness. <laughs> mm. Yeah, um, yeah. So I uh, I was reading um, an article by a priest that we both know in Dallas, and he, he writes for the, for the Dallas News. And I didn't read the whole article, but the, the tagline was great, is that, you know, in the midst of a crisis, we tend to exercise our true religion. Mm, um, mm, yeah. And our true, he's, he does a lot for talking about consumerism and talking about how we reach for things, you know, when to mm-hmm. give us consolation. And you see that in the supermarkets. That's our true religion is that yeah, we, exactly. find, we find comfort in things when things go wrong or things go crazy. And so you see that playing out, you know, um, with this crisis. And so maybe just to emphasize a little bit what you're saying here about Ephesians, take no part in the fruitless works of darkness, rather yeah. expose them for it is shameful even to mention the things done by them in <laughs> yes. secret. It's like, <laughs> or in public in these cases. <laughs> and yeah, exactly. So 
that's a good lesson for us. It's like, take no part in this. Yeah. Rather, expose them for what they are. It's like the greediness, the fear, the lack of trust, the pandemonium, all that. But then also on the other side, and I got to say this too, you know, there are people who are just reckless with this. Uh, Absolutely, with this yeah. Too, people who are going out when they shouldn't be going out. It's like, we need to be obedient citizens as well, mm-hmm. you know? Um, well, and I think that could be what, what St. Paul is getting at with his um, his the last line. Awake, O sleeper, and mm-hmm. arise from the dead, and Christ mm-hmm. will give you light. Mm-hmm. Like, we've got to do that. We've got to be obedient. We've got to do what the doctors and the you know, our leaders are telling us to do. We've right. got to awake from our own darkness. Yeah, yeah. That's good. I like that. You know, so maybe there, there goes something there about like, we we tend to think, especially if this gets into the gospel, about what does it mean to receive light? I think sometimes mm-hmm. we think about light and darkness as like awakened from our, like brought back from sin, brought back from death. That's good. That's good. Definitely. Christ brings us back from the from the, from the brink, from the death, from the sin. But sometimes we can think about how we are caught in the darkness of our own perception, our own light, mm-hmm. our own light, right? Our own, like, like you mentioned at the beginning of Ephesians, we are the darkness. So yeah. it's not just that <laughs> Jesus saves us from the darkness of our sin. Jesus saves us from the darkness of death. Jesus yeah. saves us from ourselves. He saves yeah. us from ourselves, you know? You know, and I'm still thinking about that line, uh, from our, from our friend, um, that this is the time that we see our true religion. Mm-hmm. Like all we're doing is saying, oh, well, the darkness is the coronavirus. These are the things that are being done to me. Mm. I'm not the one that's the darkness. This is an impossible situation. But like that's a lie from the evil spirit mm. because we see the fruits of <laughs> what we've been given Yeah, in those yeah. supermarkets. So yeah, it goes to show too, I think that like moments of crisis are great for, for manifesting the worst in us, but also the best in us. Like there, yeah. there's an opportunity for the best in us to, to really come through. And you see that, like I was reading this tweet, uh, this one Jesuit here in Madrid wrote, and I really appreciated this. He said, uh, it was just one line. He said, all of a sudden we all realize that we have neighbors. Mm. Um, mm. And that's what happens when we have tragedy. Like when hurricanes strike the Gulf Coast, you know, when tornadoes rage through the Great Plains, like... We start noticing that we have neighbors all of a sudden, and that's the opportunity here is to see that in the darkness that we can be, the light of Christ can also shine, and we can be brought back from the brink by recognizing the good that's around us, you know? Yeah. Um, in a simple way, like I was walking around uh, the campus here and yesterday, and I was noticing the birds were, chir- were chirping. It was like springtime mm. is coming, and I didn't really realize that because everything was about the coronavirus, and it's like, oh... In the midst of all this darkness, I can add to the darkness, but God is trying to work light in as well. Like there's something really providential yeah. that springtime is coming. Like there's light that can shine in the in the darkness. And am I am I opening my eyes to see that? Like am I well, opening my eyes to see God working here? That's the call of the Christian to have hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that it doesn't end in darkness. The darkness right. is going to be a part of of our lives. That's a reality that we're not going to get rid of. Mm-hmm. But what are mm-hmm. we going to do with it? Are yeah. we just going to give up, roll over, or are we going to have hope and trust we, that the sun, yeah. the sun will rise? Are we going to be, and also maybe, you know, are we going to be contributing to the darkness or are we going to be allowing the light to break through? Yeah. And that's a good question, you know? Um, so yeah, maybe going straight to the gospel now, like, so clearly we have a lot going on here with light and dark. 
um, which is a theme I know that you really like. We've talked about it before, especially during Advent. Um, but in particular now, so like the verse before the gospel, I'm the light of the world. Um, whoever follows me will have the light of life. But then we have the explicit healing of the blind man. Uh, yeah. And so we have the catechesis here, of course, of baptism. You know, this is hearkening to, you know, the light of Christ at the Easter Vigil that we will celebrate in a few weeks. Um, what what do you get from this long, another long chapter in John? Like <laughs> long we get, chapter, yeah. So we had the chapter, the fourth chapter with the woman at the well, or the ninth chapter now with the man born blind of John's gospel. And I think next week we'll have the whole chapter of the resurrection of Lazarus. Um, yep. yep. So clearly there's a catechesis here with the gospel of John of giving us a full mystery of water the first week, light now, and then new life. So it's a baptism catechesis going on. How do you want to dive into the man born blind? Yeah, you know, there's so much here. And with with big, long readings, I can't help but like just find, and maybe this is a wrong thing to do, but like find one line that really, kind of like doing Alexio Divina. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the one that really stood out to me was, so they said to him, how were your eyes opened? Mm. And that just has kind of sat with me and become something that I've been asking myself. How were your eyes opened? Is it through, you know, Twitter people? Is it through going to church? Is it through recognizing the darkness in myself? You know, there's so many ways that we can recognize how our eyes have been opened. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't think it's just a one and done. I mean, with baptism, obviously, our eyes are open, our spiritual eyes are opened to receiving that grace. But I think our physical eyes can be closed more often than we like to admit. And I think that's the power of of a miracle story like this that that it's not just oh well I did that so moving on now it's like well mm-hmm. I'm blind again <laughs> yeah and how yeah. are my eyes going to be opened yeah no that's good that's good I, I so we mentioned this last week with a long reading I think that the the value of the preaching is to help focus um, yeah and I appreciate that you want to focus on one line because I think that's the right way to go mm-hmm. um, because because with that one line you can then bring in the whole gospel. Mm-hmm. You know, like the the whole gospel can flow from one line. You can't really get much of a point if you just try to do all of it. Um, but like that that line that you point out, I think is a good one because it puts the question as an examination question for me of of what is the thing in my life that opens my eyes? And if it's not Jesus, then right are my right. eyes really being opened? <laughs> um, yeah, and that's good. You know, I'm reminded of um. So I've been doing a lot of Ignatian spirituality stuff recently, and so. I've been thinking a lot about Ignatius's autobiography and in his autobiography you can you can sort of see the process of conversion that he goes through from a life of vanity to a life of service of of giving God glory. That whole process you can chronicle it by the number of times he mentions how his eyes were opened. Hmm. Um and you can see the pattern of his eye, like at that time his eyes were still closed and then a few chapters later and his eyes were opened a little. And then by the end of his conversion process, and then his eyes were fully open and he saw things completely new. And sure. so how there's a symbol there of conversion being symbolized by the opening of one's eyes. And how in the yeah. case of Ignatius, kind of like in the other blind man story of the man who sees the the, he- the healing leads to him seeing people as trees. Like there's a progression that happens in the conversion process um, mm-hmm. that yeah. it goes through stages. But... The emphasis for Ignatius, at least, is always in the passive voice. It's never, and he opened his eyes further. It's his eyes were opened. Like, mm-hmm. 
this is something that's done to him. God works in him and opens his eyes, you know? And clearly, and it's the not always years. immediate. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Like, I think that's something that we can forget sometimes. That we've got to, it's all or nothing, baby. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But no, it's a process, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, so, you know, maybe there's a line here at the beginning of the gospel that I really liked. It's, um, it is so that the works of God might be made visible through him. Mm. So there's a play here. There's an irony here is that this man's blindness and receiving sight is so that God's glory might be made visible to men. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so John is very, John is a brilliant writer, right? There's a, there's a play of irony always with everything. And yeah, so the, there's an intentionality with everything that he writes. Yeah. And so, you know, the man born blind is a symbol for sure of sin and spiritual blindness, but also the healing becomes the focal point so that Jesus's glory and God's glory might be made shown and made visible. Um, right. And that's an important piece. And I thought that was, that was a good thing to look at. Um, yeah. Well, and it also shows that conversion is possible. Mm-hmm. Like the one we were born in sin and yet we've been given grace. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's just, you know, they, they even go into that later on to say, well, how can a sinful man do such signs? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, yeah, we're, that's all of us. We're all the sinful men and women, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but Christ has been given to us. Our, right. uh, the works of God may be, may be made visible through us, even mm-hmm. though we were born in sin yeah. and darkness. So uh, I want to point out something to you. I, I love this line. So it's, it's kind of a ways down. It's maybe like in the fourth main section of this passage, but it's, it's in that line that begins, that section begins, do you want to become his disciples too? Hmm. Um, so in that section, I love this. So they ridiculed the man and said, are you Jesus's disciple? We're disciples of Moses. I can just see this like very ironic dialogue. It doesn't come off as ironic unless you kind of try to hear it that way. Uh, like see it play out as kind of a farce or kind of like a humorous back and forth. You know, you're that man's disciple. We're disciples of Moses. Um, (laughs) we know, we know that God spoke to Moses, but we don't know where this one is from. And then the man has the punchline. He says, that's what's so amazing. You don't even know where he's from, and yet he opened my eyes. <laughs> hmm. Like, like he's just sort of telling them how ridiculous you sound when you're like, <laughs> yeah. you guys, you guys are so ridiculous. You don't even know where he's from, yet he opened my eyes, and that's what's so amazing. In your ignorance, you fail to see the proof. Yeah. Like in your blindness, in other words, in your blindness, you fail to see the work of God before you. And so the yeah. ones who are clearly blind here are the disciples, are the um, are the Pharisees. Um, Anyway, I just think it's a really beautiful thing here that the man that was healed says, you know what? You don't even know where he's from. And he opened my eyes and that's enough for me. Like <laughs> there's a there's a lot there about where Jesus is from. John's gospel is all about that. Like, you know, in the beginning was the word. So where is he from? Like, we don't really know. You know, he's sort of from all time. And so we don't know where he's from, yet he has power to heal me. And yeah. that's enough, you know? Mm. I love that. Yeah. Well, and what's his response at the end? I do believe, Lord. Mm. Like, after all of that, I do believe. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's simple. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's great. This is a really good passage. Um, like you were saying, I mean, there's just a lot going on that you could really focus on. I mean, because because of coronavirus and we're not going to have a lot of people preaching this weekend, this is a perfect passage probably for a family to sit with and like yeah, if you have children, absolutely. you know, like sit with and like have your kids read it and then mm-hmm. like talk about it, play it out, act it out, do a Lexio Divina on it like that. 
I don't know. That'd be my suggestion, at least this week, since there's not going to be a lot of preaching going on. Um, yeah. I mean, certainly, you know, I'm sure most people have their favorite online priests that they can go and get a homily from, but that doesn't mean that we have to stop praying together as a family. Yeah. yeah. Cool, man. Well, I imagine that this Lent within Lent is going to go on for a while. So, yeah, maybe even so, after Lent is over. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think so. I think we're going to have a Lenten Easter. Yeah. Um, well, cool. Well, that's all I got. You got any any parting thoughts? No, just keep praying. Keep yeah. praying. You can't say go to Mass. <laughs> I can't say go to Mass, but yeah. keep praying. Cool, man. All right, well, we'll talk next week, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hopefully put up a homily for this Sunday, and, cool. and we can share it. Cool. Yeah, me too. You too. You, yeah, good, good. All right, man. All right. Peace. See ya.